Today, answers matter more than ever before. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage customer questions with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to work for any industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant. Next on SportsCenter, KD returns to OKC less than 100%. Will his health or OKC's struggling Big 3 be a bigger factor in who wins tonight's showdown? Joel Embiid joins the show where there will be no drama between him and Ben Simmons over who is the new face of the Sixers franchise. A Thanksgiving tradition continues in Dallas, why Dak says he's not rattled by the Cowboys losing streak. And on the fifth anniversary of the infamous butt fumble, is there any not top ten play in history that can top it? Your fiance is going to lose her mind. Your mother-in-law is going to lose her mind. Your mom is going to lose her mind. And there is a look at our nightly rundown where Rondi would like to call it our 6 at 6, including what you may call a couple of curious quarterback moves. Chip Kelly's next move while the hits just keep on coming for the Clippers. Uh, yeah, there was concern Kevin Durant might not play tonight against Oklahoma City, but those fears appear to be unwarranted. Durant was upgraded to probable this afternoon. He told our own Chris Haynes that he definitely planned on playing tonight. That shouldn't be particularly shocking giving the opponent. Here's KD and Draymond about tonight. Mainly everybody want to hear is the drama, so um, I think I'm tired of just telling them how much I love basketball, how much I love growing as a basketball player, as a man here, but eventually somebody will get it. He was pissed off. Everyone around him was pissed off, including us. Uh, you know, they were pissed off, and, and I think it's had more time to settle. Uh, you know, they got PG, they got Melo. It's allowed them to kind of move forward. All right, Shelly Smith now joining us from OKC. So what is the latest? Is Durant playing tonight or what? (laughs) Jamel Michael, all systems are a go. Yes, he told everybody this afternoon that he feels good. He is going to play. But as you know, never trust the athlete because they will tell you anything. If they want to play, they say they're going to play. I'm fine. My ankle's 100%. Go to the trainers. The trainers did tell me this afternoon he looks good. They would not take a chance if they thought he could risk further injury to that ankle. And you know how tendons and ligaments can be? You antagonize them. They get worse. They don't get better. But they say he's ready to go. He'll play tonight. And I can't imagine him missing this game. It's too much fun playing against your former teammates where the vile and the insults and the you know, the crack macking is, is so bad and so awful sometimes that you just, you got to play. And so he knows that. It was so bad last year. His mother was in tears. We don't know if she'll be here tonight, but he's ready for it. Well, to that end, you said never trust the athlete. Okay, Dia said this is just a regular game for him now. Nobody really believes that. How would you describe uh, his demeanor on his second trip to OKC? Kevin Durant doesn't change a whole lot. I don't care if he's walking through a tornado-ravaged part of the city or if he's here talking to fans. You just don't see a whole lot of emotion from him. So you don't know. I know Russell Westbrook was out here warming up early. He's been doing that early for home games. He's ready for this game. I'm sure Kevin Durant feels some extra emotion. You'd be hard-pressed not to feel any extra emotion for this kind of game tonight. So, well... Whether his mom's here or not, I'm sure he's ready to play, and he will be himself. He will be himself the whole time. Thank you, cuz. Appreciate <laughs> you. 
<laughs> All right, look for a minute there like the Thunder was starting to turn the corner. Then they lost back-to-back games to the Spurs and Pelicans. OKC's biggest issue this year is closing in the clutch. Thus, they are 0-8 in games decided by eight or fewer. Uh, so if they manage to keep tonight's game close, perhaps they can claim victory over the Warriors in a regular season game for the first time in three seasons. 0-7 against current company. They're still uh, coming together. It's not easy to put a group together and expect it to click right away. Um, so they're they're still figuring everything out, but they've got a, a, a good look. I mean, you know, you watch them. I watched the game the other night, that first quarter. They came out guns blazing, and they're just having a harder time sustaining it right now, but they'll get there. We kind of went through the same thing last year when KD arrived here. You know, you got to incorporate a guy who um, is going to shoot the ball a lot. It's not an easy thing to do, so they're figuring it out. Mark Jackson's on the call tonight. Mark, how confident are you uh, that this group figures it out in OKC? Well, I think at the end of the day, talent prevails. And this is a team that has three guys that can take over a game at any point. They have an outstanding coach in Billy Donovan. I'm confident that at some point they will uh, find a rhythm and put together a run together and be relevant and dangerous come playoff time. Uh, How much of this, though, uh, Mark, is on Russell Westbrook? Because last year the narrative was that Russ didn't have enough talent around him. This year he has a lot of talent. So how much specifically is he to blame for their sluggish beginning? Well, I don't think he's to blame at all. I think it's a combination. It's, it's, It's not easy to win in this league. I don't care how much talent you have. At the end of the day, it has to be chemistry. It has to be a team on one accord. you got to be tied together, and you got to be willing to compete and be committed to it. Right now, this is a team trying to find themselves. Russell Westbrook is the MVP of this league, and he's the MVP for a reason. I think at some point, uh, if, you're, if you're a Thunder fan, it starts tonight. He's got to separate himself and begin to take control of this basketball team and let the other guys catch up to him. But he's got to play with that reckless abandonment that we're used to seeing him play with. All right, thank you, Mark. We appreciate it. Thank you, guys. All right, now the hottest team in the NBA, the Celtics, face the Heat tonight, riding a 16-game win streak. Boston is the third team to win 16 straight within the first 18 games, joining the 2015-16 Warriors and 1970-71 Bucks. Boston has had to fight for the wins, though. Uh, The Celtics have five victories where they've trailed by double digits. In fact, they've done so in each of their last three games. Now, Kyrie Irving, he's come up. Pretty big in late game, late in games rather too. Clutch time is the last five minutes of the game with the score between five points during the streak. Irving has scored 62 in the clutch, and that's only in 28 minutes of play. Joining us now with I'm sure a clutch report, Coley Harvey in Miami. So how are the Celtics dealing with all the attention that they're getting from this streak? Yeah, they're not dealing with it very well, at least not the way that I would anticipate. They're, you know, they're trying to, to just totally silence the outside. They're trying to just deal with it on individual game-by-game basis. In fact, uh, I pressed Kyrie Irving a little bit on that today uh, about the fact that they are uh, looking at this moment-by-moment. Moment. Those are his words. We're trying to stay in the present. We're not trying to go too far ahead. We're not trying to think about what we've done in the past either. And Brad Stevens is, is kind of where that begins. He is the one that says, hey, it goes to the rest of the coaching staff to making sure that they're only focused on the individual games ahead of them. So right now, they're looking at the Miami Heat. They're not looking at who's next on the radar. They're not looking at trying to get 17 or 18. They're just trying to win tonight. They don't care if this uh, if this particular win does add to the winning streak. But again, I, I don't know if I'm completely buying that, but uh, <laughs> but that is exactly what the Celtics is saying right now. And way to remain skeptical. That's yeah, what a reporter is supposed to do. When you're watching the Celtics, <laughs> make sure you wait for it. Offensive rating 
of 111.2 in second halves of games, second only to Golden State. Coley, we appreciate it, man. Hey, breaking news within the hour in ESPN. Emphasis, unfortunately, on breaking as ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski reports that Clippers starting point guard Patrick Beverly done for the season after undergoing microfracture and meniscus surgeries uh, on his right knee Wednesday morning. Beverly had missed five straight games before returning to play 22 minutes in the Clippers' ninth straight loss and had some harsh words after. But first, let's get you caught up on some interesting NFL news. Let's start with my 49ers who announced today that C.J. Beathard will be the starter this week against the Seahawks. And why not? He's on a one-game winning streak. Uh, still no Jimmy Garoppolo, who the 49ers traded for almost a month ago for a second-round pick. By the way, Kyle Shanahan told reporters that he made the QB announcement today because there wasn't a competitive advantage to be gained. Show me the lie. Uh, meanwhile, in Buffalo, Bills coach Sean McDermott announced today that Tyrod Taylor will start against Kansas City. This, of course, comes less than a week after McDermott turned to fifth-round rookie quarterback Nathan Peterman, who threw five picks in the first half against the Chargers. Here's McDermott on Colin Switch. And when you go through the situation and where we are and, and where we're going, I feel like it's the right thing for this team. Just like a week ago, I felt like the right thing for the team was to start Nate. I feel like the right thing for this team is to start Tyrod. Like I said, uh, you never let things surprise you. Uh, my focus has still been the same. Uh, I'm going to continue to be the leader uh, that I am, uh, the player that I am week in and week out. Uh, as a team, uh, that's more so more important. Um, as a team, we got to fix what we haven't done right the last three weeks, and uh, let's get back on the winning side of the scoreboard. And I think guys in this locker room, not I think, but I know guys in this locker room are ready to go out there and fix that. All right, and finally, a non-quarterback-related move. The Chiefs signed Darrell Revis to a two-year deal today. According to a report from NFL Network, Revis is not receiving any fully guaranteed money for 2018, so his signing is at minimum for just 2017. FYI, whatever Revis's contract is with the Chiefs will be offset from the $6 million owed to him by the Jets. By the way, Chiefs, 28th in passing yards. Let's see if he can help with that. On to some college... Florida or UCLA, which one should Chip Kelly choose? Mark Schleybaugh reported that Kelly, now an ESPN analyst, met with UCLA officials about becoming the Bruins' next head coach. This came a few days after Kelly reportedly met with Florida representatives to discuss taking that head coaching job. So in other words, life is pretty good for you if you're Chip Kelly. Now, as someone who has covered a few head coaching searches in her day, I know that life isn't necessarily easy for you, Ed Ashoff, because <laughs> no, it can be quite a scramble, right, figuring out. It's a good combination you got working at <laughs> What's true thank and what's you, thank not. You, thank you. The most important thing, the good combination. Uh, but <laughs> looking at this decision that Chip Kelly has to make, one, when is he expected to make it? And two, what would be the biggest deciding factor in him making that decision. Yeah, well, when talking to people close to kind of both sides of this with Chip Kelly, with Florida, and UCLA, it seems like a comfort thing. You know, a lot of coaches around the Pac-12 have told me that it just seems like a natural fit for Chip Kelly to be back on the West Coast. He has more ties there. He's obviously familiar with the the Pac-12 considering he was at Oregon for so long. And then when you look at the Florida side of things, they can offer a little bit more money. The recruiting ground in the state of Florida and in Georgia and in the southeast is is much more fertile than what he'd have in California and the surrounding areas. So when it comes to a talent standpoint, a lot of people say that Florida might be the best option. But for comfort, it could be UCLA.
All right, let's uh, go to the SEC and another potential vacancy. Kevin Sumlin said that he has not had any recent discussions about his future at Texas A&M less than 24 hours after a Houston Chronicle report indicated that he would be fired, win or lose, after the Aggies' regular season finale against LSU. While making his weekly appearance on the SEC coaches' teleconference, Sumlin was asked about the Chronicle's report but said he hadn't spoken to Aggies athletic director Scott Woodward this week. We'll deal with it the way we've dealt with everything uh, this year. And we'll continue to um, do business as usual. And, and like I said, I think um, that um, our staff and, and and our coaches have, have done a, a nice job of, of handling it. Ed, what are you hearing about Sumlin's status at A&M? Yeah, when talking with him earlier today, I mean, it, it seems like he's a guy who is trying to get his team completely focused on this week and outside of that you know not talking to your AD since the game last Saturday I don't know if that's a good sign or a bad sign but in talking with some people around the league it just seems like sooner rather than later a move is going to happen at Texas A&M and really the irony of this is is that Kevin Sumlin has had a good record but it's been late season collapses that have just kind of doomed in the last couple of seasons this year he's actually playing his team is actually playing better during the latter part of the season and growing a lot less talent around it than he's had the previous two. Detroit's finest Jalen Rose now joins us. Now, Jalen, you know better than anybody. There's an ebb and a flow to the NBA season. Things tend to pick up a little bit after Christmas, maybe after the All-Star break. You go through some dog days. So you're looking at the Celtics with this incredible win streak right now, and it's just November. So how meaningful should we consider a 16-game win streak that's taking place this early in the season? Michael and the Emmy Award-winning Jamel Hill. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> Congratulations. That's truly an honor. Here's the thing. The Boston Celtics, once they lost Gordon Hayward, I, like everyone else, tried to lower expectations. They lost their first two basketball games. And then all of a sudden, this amazing win streak, which is predominantly done on the defensive side of the basketball. They're first in that category. They're 20th in overall offensive efficiency. And the way they're closing basketball games, in particular Kyrie Irving, has just been phenomenal. Sharing the ball. Also, multiple people getting involved. The emergence of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. The defensive prowess off the bench of Marcus Smart and Rozier. Marcus Morris up front playing quality minutes along with Al Horford, who tends to get overlooked in many dynamics when you talk about really nice bigs in the game. It's so impressive to see what they've done. Hopefully it can continue for a really long time, except I think it ends tonight at Miami. It's a scheduling loss. Hassan Whiteside is going to be hanging on the rim consistently. And anytime you go to Miami, that's home field advantage to the Heat basketball team. All right, so this is a win for South Beach. <laughs> yes, indeed. Okay. No question about it. About the only thing to stop those Celtics. Let's talk about the 7-9 Thunder. You win a lot of bets if you said that Steven Adams – was a team leader in player efficiency rating at 21.3. Uh, what are you seeing when you see this team? What, what's standing out to you the most about why they're struggling so much this season? Mr. Smith, what stands out to me is that you have three players that all want the same thing, eagerly to win a championship. Russell Westbrook has been to the finals, conference finals a couple of times, the reigning league MVP. Paul George, couple of conference finals in Indiana, free agent after this year. Maybe he's staying in OKC is willing to do what it takes. Carmelo Anthony, a new position in the Western Conference. 
they're not closing basketball games. They truly struggle in the clutch. Mm-hmm. They've been really good on the defensive end, especially getting steals, but struggling in the clutch. And here's why. You can't take turns in basketball. It's not like in rec when you come down across half court, be like, hey, I'm giving it to you. It's your turn. So Russell has to establish as the point guard, though he really wants to keep those guys happy, that in transition, in open floor situations, I'm going to be the lead dog. When we're setting it up, I think they should be trying to find Paul George. And then that third option should be Carmelo Anthony when he has matchups that he can take advantage of. Until that pecking order is established, they're going to struggle. All right, it's there like a singing group that's a little bit off-key. Uh, let's talk about the Lakers and Kings, which is the nightcap here on ESPN. Lonzo Ball, he's still struggling with his shooting uh, here in his rookie season. Now, Jalen, you always are somebody who comes up with provocative player comparison. So what's a realistic ceiling for Lonzo Ball as a player? Who would you most compare him to? So I saw a lot of individuals talking in the microphones and on televisions and wanted to compare him to Jason Kidd. And I was like, pump the brakes, please. Everybody slow it down. Jason Kidd was stronger. He was faster. The future Hall of Famer locked down on defense, and he was tenacious the entire time he played. He just didn't talk much. The only thing they had in common is that they both didn't knock down jump shots. I said a more realistic comparison was Ricky Rubio. They both are past first players. They are cerebral in the fact that they get teammates involved, they give up good shots to get great shots, and they're not going to beat you with their jump shot. And so if he's able to play basketball in the league for a long time, which I predict, and make millions of dollars playing basketball, it's not a diss to being Ricky Rubio, especially when you look at those two individual stats. They're really comparable at this point of their careers. All right, let's stay in L.A. with the struggling Clippers. What kind of impact will the loss of Patrick Beverly uh, have on that team? Major loss. This Clippers team, unfortunately, looks like it's on a collision course to unfortunately put Doc Rivers in a position to lose his job. In the offseason, they lost a few pillars in the backcourt that people will talk about CP3 and rightfully so, the playmaker that'll get you 18 and also set it up for everybody else. But they also lost their prime shooter in J.J. Reddick. They also lost a one-on-one force in Jamal Crawford, who was big late. And who did they replace them with? Tio Doshich, he's injured. Patrick Beverly, he's injured. Gallinari, he's injured and has been so the last couple of seasons. So based on that, you have Blake, you have DeAndre. You think when you floor that team along with Lou Williams and Austin Rivers that you shouldn't lose nine straight and 11 out of 12. But unfortunately for their fan base, it has happened. And I see a scenario, unfortunately, that it um, it may end up costing Doc Rivers his job. Yeah, interesting. Just a couple of... Uh Weeks ago, we were talking about, oh, how refreshing it was for Chris Paul to be gone and the culture and this, that, and the other when they were riding high. And then Patrick Beverly with the same complaints after the Knicks game about maturity and selfishness. So in the immortal words of Jeffrey Osborne, it takes separation to bring appreciation. (laughs) There's that. Jalen Rose, appreciate you, man. See you later on Countdown. I love you both. Y'all killing it on the six. All right. Now, talked about Jalen's player comparisons. Well, a lot of people compare Joel Embiid to Hakeem Olajuwon. Yesterday, we showed you part one of our interview with the Sixers big man. Here's part two, where we ask him about that comparison to the dream. When I watch you, I am so reminded of Hakeem Olajuwon. And I know that's a comparison that you've heard a lot. You're averaging 22 and 11. When you hear yourself compare to somebody like the dream, uh, how does that make you feel? Oh, it makes me feel great. You know, uh, when I started playing basketball at 16, 
Uh, the first tape that I got was uh, I came. It was like a mini movie on the came. It was about 45 to an hour long. Uh, so I literally watched that tape from uh, that day uh, to probably my freshman year in college. I like, literally almost every single day just like trying to watch him, like everything he did, the moves he did, and go to the gym and try to repeat them. So to have people compare me to him, I think is great, but I think I have a long way to go, and I'm going to do my best to reach that level. The other night against the Lakers, you put up an incomparable stat line, as you know. But afterwards, you said you were 69%, I believe, was the exact number you put yourself at. Where are you right now? See, you can't even get it. Um, I can't be serious with you, man. I was, <laughs> I was talking. I was talking about my. We were basically talking about my condition level, right. but I think he's he's getting there. He's getting there. I think I'm at eighty-one percent. Eighty-one. You are randomly picking numbers. Just don't, don't even mess with this. You are randomly picking numbers right now. Uh, now it's clear, though, regardless of what percentage that you're at, that you have a certain level of uh, chemistry with Ben Simmons on the court, but off the court, uh, in reading about you two, you all seem to be quite different. So how are you trying to maybe bridge that gap and, and, and maybe make that connection off the court, uh, the same one that you have on the court? Like, you guys are a lot different. Uh, I think it's all fake news, you know. Uh, we all close, as I'm close with all my teammates. Uh, we all go on together. We all so young, so we do stuff. We do stuff, especially when we on the road. We go to dinners, and I've, I've been ta- I've been talking about it with Coach. Too. You know, I think he's gonna come to a point that um, people are gonna try to separate us, talking about like whose team it is and who's better than the other. But like, I mean, we just gotta stick together. And uh, in the future, we're gonna dominate. And I think we've already showed a lot of flashes of. Uh, dominance, so I can't wait to keep going with them. That's pretty wise beyond your years to know that that day is coming when people are going to try to anoint one over the other. Uh, Jalil Okafor, just almost like a forgotten guy, his dad was photographed with a t-shirt saying, you know, free job, some of the Warriors, I believe, took pictures. What kind of relationship do you guys have with Jalil Okafor, uh, given his uncertain situation? Uh, one of, Jalil is actually one of the guys I'm really, really close to. You know, what I like about him is that, like, he's, uh, he hasn't, like, he hasn't been a distraction to the team. He could have easily acted like a go out there and be like, I want to get further, like, I don't want to be here, but, like, he hasn't done that just because he's a great guy. Uh, obviously, he want to play and, uh, you know, coach and, the front office, they have a different agenda. You know, as the franchise player, you know, I try to find ways to help him too and talk to the owners, talk to the GM, the coaches about the situation because I, I know he wants to play. Now, as you know, uh, Joel, this week is Thanksgiving and a lot of families getting together, uh, celebrating. You have a foundation, the Arthur Embiid and Angels uh, Foundation, and you all are running a campaign for the holidays. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, you know, I'm from, uh, first of all, I'm from Cameroon, uh, which is in Africa. And growing up, it was, uh, I mean, I didn't, I had the luxury to not be as poor as, uh, like, all the kids that I saw around me, or generally in Africa. So, you know, my goal is just, like, you know, just go out there and, like, help as many people as I can. And uh, through my foundation, with the help of, 
UNICEF. I think that's the goal and I can't wait to like keep going that then hopefully uh, reach to a certain level where we can build a lot of stuff like hospitals, schools and all that. Joel B, brilliant on and off the court. Appreciate you, man. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for uh, letting us use the beat button. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) All right, take care. Thanksgiving, Coach. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving. See, they did a segment earlier on NFL Live where you guys talked about Thanksgiving food. So, Herm, you are known to settle great food debates. Stuff and a dressing. Dressing. That took you too long to answer. No, dressing. Like, there's only one answer. Dressing. According (laughs) to who's making it. Right. Mm. <laughs> okay. Let's make that perfectly clear. Okay. Yeah, I've been a couple of them Thanksgiving dinners. We go, man, I'm not having seconds. I got to go. I, I got to go another one. <laughs> you know, that's when I, when I know I'm going to somebody's house where I know it's kind of could be shaky. Right. I always got a second. I got that second you lineup. Back up. Yeah, I got, got back. Oh, you know, I got to go somebody else's house. Okay. okay. We used to call that passing around there. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I'm a pass around there. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, you know who's been eating a lot lately? Ooh, the Vikings. Ooh, Six yeah. straight. Yes, they have. Since Last they lost to Detroit. Exactly. Yeah. Look at you taking yeah. the words right mm-hmm. out of my mouth. For some reason, in the Mike Zimmer, they can't score against Detroit. I think they're averaging about 15.3 points to be exact in this matchup. How do the Vikings reverse that trend and win in Detroit, which is their Super Bowl in Detroit, mm-hmm. that Thanksgiving Day matchup? Yeah, it's very important. And I think they got to get off uh, to, to a lead. You know, th- this Viking team, as good as it is at, at times, it, 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 it doesn't put up points early. And if you play Detroit – especially on Thanksgiving, it's a whole different atmosphere. Now, they know that. This is kind of their deal. They're the original Thanksgiving Day game, the Detroit Lions. When <laughs> right. no one else won in the National Football League, Detroit raised their hand. We'll do it. Right. We will do this game. Now it's become you want to play on that day. And if you look at Detroit, they've got one up on Minnesota already because they beat them earlier mm-hmm. this season. Right, right? 14-7. Yeah. But here's the deal for Detroit, and Minnesota knows this. If they possess the ball late in the game, that guy Stafford, he can beat you. They, they are a good fourth-quarter football team, and I think that's what Minnesota fears the most. If we get into one of these games, we better make sure we have points because if we don't, that, that Matthew Stafford, that guy can catch us. Yeah, this is a, a bit of a departure, though, for Detroit because this is a very meaningful Thanksgiving Ooh, game when yes. you look at the NFC playoff picture. All right, let's ask about one of the other Thanksgiving matchups. Uh, coming off a 37-9 divisional loss at home to the Eagles, the Cowboys have now lost back-to-back games by 20 points for the first time since 2004. The Chargers are up next, and they have a defense that's forced 15 turnovers, including 11 picks since week five, tied for most in the NFL. Now here's Dak on the challenge that lies ahead. They're great. They complement each other. Um, they might they might have the highest motor of anybody we've played uh, between them two of consistently every play not taking a playoff and uh, getting after no matter if it's the run or the uh, pass, so they can be – disruptive and a good front. We want to get touchdowns. I mean, we got in the red zone three times this last game and didn't convert, so that's problems in itself. So, I mean, uh, we'll just keep working. We'll keep uh, keep fighting and, and figuring out what it is and getting better. I heard because of how this team is kind of falling apart since mm-hmm. the loss of Ezekiel Elliott, uh, of course, that naturally shifted the conversation back to Dak Prescott. Is this really, especially what's, given what's at stake in this game, because it, it seems like if they lose this game, it's going south. Yes. But is this really all on deck this week against the Chargers? It's not, but he's the star. Mm-hmm. That's the problem. He, he, he plays for the star, and he's the star of the team. And, and right now, they got to create an offense, first of all, that will protect him. How do they do that? they got to move the pocket some. They cannot allow him to drop back and take five-step drops. you got to get it out of his hand quickly, spread them out. I think this, too. Run the option. Run the option? Yes. Okay. Make, make Bosa 
and Ingram have to sit there and play the quarterback on the dive. They're not used to doing They don't want to do that. Get them out of their comfort zone of, you know what, it's third and eight. Guess what? We get to run and hit the quarterback because that's what they're going to do. So I think if you're Dallas, you have to come up with a unique game plan to keep them at bay, to, to keep these guys that want to get upfield, to make them slow down some and say, well, wait a minute now, he could be running this, they could be doing this. That, that, that gives you time to get rid of the ball. 22 possessions the last two games, one touchdown. That was on a 21-yard drive after a takeaway against the Falcons. No Tyron Smith as well besides Ezekiel Elliott. Do you buy the talk that uh, Dak is being, quote-unquote, exposed? No. Like most quarterbacks, and I would say 90% of them, they need help around them, okay? They need people to help facilitate what they do. He is not able at this point in time as a young quarterback to put the team on his back. I'll ask you this. Who scares you on that offense when Zeke is not in the lineup? Does Des Bryant? Not anymore. Does Jason Witten? Does Beasley? That's the problem. Teams know that. So they say, guess what? If we just load the box up, we can play out here because we're fine. And they can't protect him. When the runner's back there, now you have the most explosive player on offense on your side. And now it makes you nervous. you got to play defense different. So that doesn't help him. All these are factors. You know, people don't, well, it's all on him. It's all on him. He's a young quarterback. He needs help right now. He can't do it by himself. Look, Dez is still a fantastic player, but he's not the player he was three or four years ago. Witten is not the same guy. The runner made everyone better. Most runners do. Can't get sacked 12 times, two games either. That didn't uh, help. That didn't help. Yeah. Yeah. All right, thanks, Herman. Thank you for your and help. Happy Thank you. Happy you guys have the same. Watch out for the gravy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here is what we call good versus better. Bulls guard Antonio Blakeney's dunk was good. Stacey King's call, better. Rebound, or the loose ball rather comes ahead. Blakeney oh, dunks one for the right Does hand. anybody know how to post videos to Facebook? Whoa! 15 and 18 off the bench. Yeah, he was excitable. So, Colts head, head coach Chuck Pagano said his favorite Thanksgiving meal, not turkey, not any of the usual stuff, spaghetti and meatballs. You like what you like? No, Mike. First of all, I already have an issue with people who think spaghetti is a side dish. That's number one. <laughs> all right? You ever do fish and spaghetti? Is that ever a Fish thing? and spaghetti, no. No. Never. Is that a West just like Detroit thing? It depends on how it's how it's made. The spaghetti it could be a side dish. Just uh, I'm looking forward to buffalo mac and cheese. Ooh, who's cognac, that? sweet potatoes, and what? my personal can of jellied cranberry sauce. Yeah, not, not the berries, not the berries, and not even homemade. Mm-mm. It's like you gotta go jelly, otherwise processed, right? Chemical. <laughs> uh, apparently, Russell Wilson really likes Sierra putting on his high school jersey. And the lady puts on the high school jersey though. Girl, you look good in that jersey. Oh, God, babe. This is so funny. Girl, if I would have known you in high school, we would have about six of these kids. Hey, stop. Okay, stop. It's in this video. <laughs> <laughs> They're so cute. 
you. I got jokes about Russ. It worked. I'm saying, right? It worked. They always like to clown him and all that. Like, Low-key MVP candidate. Let me nerd out for a second. Okay. Uh, 82% of his team's scrimmage yards by him. Highest in the last 20 years. But seriously, sound like they have some kids in the background. You got to be careful when it comes to the flirting. <laughs> they probably, you know, a little too young. They didn't pick up on that, right? Yeah, we'll finish this later. We'll, we'll <laughs> okay. Uh, one of the Internet's favorite things of the last couple days has been Mike Bray's coaching attire in Maui. Like, where are you going? <laughs> Coach basketball in Maui. With khaki Maybe shorts. Maybe to the beach afterwards. I, I comfortable. He is. He's I got no problem with it. I love the people who are like fashion consultants from their couch in their mom's basement in their drawers. I think that part of it is one of those things where you're so shocked because he's always like in a suit or something like that. It's kind of like when you would see your teacher outside of school and she had on like non-teacher gear. You just I like Miss Davis in Varsity Blues. <laughs> see? I'm not but I just have to take it there. Teacher outside of school moments. All no right. <laughs> My man, Mike Leach. Deep thought. Look into the light, Mike. Look into the light. Who knows where he was looking, but maybe he did that because he comes up with things like this. Take a listen. Coach, I'm getting married in nine days. Can you impart some wisdom on my, uh, for my fiance and I? Well, it's, so it's too late to rescue you. My wisdom would be uh, you, you have to stay out of the way. Now, and I wish you a very happy marriage, and I'm sure you'll have one. But uh, I'm just telling you. Uh, when it comes to marriages, uh, the women lose their mind. Your fiance is going to lose her mind. Your mom is going to lose her mind. Several of your sisters and uh, female relatives are going to lose their mind. They're going to barrage you with constant questions. What should we wear? Which, of course, my answer was, I don't care. What color should the invitations be? I don't care. Should we have for dessert? I don't care. But see, I don't care is not satisfactory at all. And you're going to get caught in a catch-22, and I'm certain that you already have. And that catch-22 is, well, I want you to be a part of this too. Uh, So what color invitations? all right, the blue ones. Well, I kind of like uh, I kind of like the tan ones. Okay, the tan ones then. Oh, you're just saying that because uh, 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 you want this over with. You're not even thinking about it, which is of course true. There's no answer you can give that is going to be satisfactory or correct. And if you successfully uh, please a few of them, the others will still be. Oh well, I just don't feel like he's that interested. Yeah, okay. So so you need to work late, uh, go in the back room and read a lot of books. Um, and in the end, you'll wish you eloped. <laughs> I, I can't, honestly, I can't say that his advice was wrong. There's nothing to add. I can't stand people who try to preach after a good sermon, so I'm going to let that speak for itself. But you were not that way with your wedding, right? You wanted... It's going to surprise you that I was a bit of a control freak about wedding. Um, Shocking. <laughs> props to the person who asked the question. I know, right? I don't know what made him think to do that. But to solicit one of the greatest answers in press conference history, all facts from Mike Lee. All right, Jamal, who had a good day besides you, Emmy winner? (laughs) Great job for the Cavs, or by the Cavs, rather, handing out Thanksgiving meals to the homeless and then taking this R&B-esque photo. Jodeci, be jealous. Along those same lines, shout-out to 19-year-old Jared Allen of the Nets. He helped 25 middle schoolers in Queens do some Thanksgiving shopping. $70, but they had to do it according to a budget. That's it for us. Happy Thanksgiving to all of you. We'll see you all next week.